Hello, everyone. It's Cindy Novotny, and I'm thrilled to be back on my podcast with My Secrets to Stamina. I want to remind you, if you have not tuned in before, I am the one that helps you understand what balance is all about. It is not necessarily what you think it is. I am the one that lives this life every day as a radical mentor. I help you look at life without balance and sometimes without boundaries. I am the one that will make you feel good about being who you are, living the life that you want to live, and that is the journey I'm taking you on. So today, I couldn't be more excited to have my friend, John Fior on with me. You know, John is with the Center Circle Creative, and let me tell you why I have him on. Number one, I met John a gazillion years ago when we were very, very young. He was uh, in Anaheim. I was at uh, the West and South Coast Plaza and I worked at Disney as well. But, you know, John is the kind of person that has always been innovative. Before innovative was a cool word. He was pivoting before pivoting was even talked about. He was one of those people that working for a convention and visitors bureau, he was always about the destination, you know, way before the word DMO came into sight. But he also understood what being an entrepreneur is all about. And in his career, he has had so many opportunities to really look at the business event industry and look at how to pivot and change. So with that, I'd love to welcome John Fior. Hello, John. Hey, Cindy. Oh, my goodness. It's so great to connect with you after all these years. And, and I'm, you know, I'm actually just so happy that we've been able to stay in touch, even though it's not as often as I would like it, because you're always traveling the world. But um, it's really great to connect with you today. Oh, well, I, you know, first of all, you're going to have so much to share with, uh, you know, the audience, uh, not just in the meetings and events world, but in the, in the corporate world and people's, you know, personal lives, because, you know, your creativity, and I think your uh, perseverance and your ability to push ahead is, what got you where you are today. So share a little bit about uh, the Center Circle Creative and tell a little bit about the firm and what got you to this point to, to start this company. Sure. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. I you, you Actually, you don't want to look at my resume because if you look at my, you know, my, I guess the only, the only thing that is consistent throughout my resume is that I've really, my whole career invested in the event, live event, you know, business event industry. That's that's one thing that's been constant. And, you know, I'm fortunate because I've really seen every angle of the business. And um, it's just something that just keeps me going, you know, just thinking that there's always room for innovation. Um, the industry is changing. But quite honestly, never thought I would see the transformation that's underway today and how it's really almost re-energized me because I thought, oh my gosh, like this is the perfect storm um, to accelerate change. And, and that's something as you hit on earlier that I really thrive on that is finding, you know, finding out where, where's the industry going or trying to figure out how do we, how do we make this business better? So Center Circle Creative is actually a new venture that I started with two other business partners. Um, if you can believe it, last year in the middle of, of the pandemic. Which makes it even better because you didn't just sit around, you know, doing what everybody did watching Netflix, I think, you know, you got on with right. it. I like it. Right. And I mean, unfortunately we were part of the casualty, like so many others that lost their job due to the pandemic, but you know, it was really this moment of pause and we thought, you know what, like this is probably the best time. And you, you know, there's all these sayings about, you know, 
great ideas come out off of diversity or off of, you know, trying times. But, you know, we, this, the two other partners, we said, you know, Hey, this there's, we know that live events are going to come back, right? Like it's not a question. It was hard to believe that um, six months ago, but we really held strong and said, you know what, it's going to come back. So let's start a new business so that we're really poised for the comeback and we can participate in it. Um, the other thing is that we thought the only way you're gonna really understand, because we're, we don't have it figured out, I can tell you. Nobody really has it figured out yet, which is, which is kind of affirming. But we also thought, let's be part of the comeback versus just waiting for somebody to tell us you know, what's, what's gonna be new and different. <laughs> let's be part of the solution. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And I think, I think one of the things right off the beginning, uh, when you, called me and, you know, you left your other, uh, you know, job and you said, we're starting this is that you were figuring out ways to partner with hotels. I think you did a big event with Marriott or something and like right out of the gate saying, look, we can do a hybrid meeting. And unlike the technology side, yours was more on the setup and the, and the decor side, was it not? And how it all aesthetically looked, was that right? Right. So we uh, bill ourselves, Center Circle Creative, we believe we're the first interior design firm for business events. And right. when you hear that, I don't know what you think, but it's, it's interesting to me because interior design is a, is a pretty serious profession for both in you know, commercial, on the commercial side for office environments, et cetera, and for home. But we've never, as an industry, we've never focused on that spatial design because why is that? Because we've been going off capacity charts for, I don't know, a hundred years that say classroom style, theater style banquet. And that's, that's about as far as our creativity goes, unless you're going to do a, a party, um, a theme party, you know what, after hours, but that nine to five time is where we're really focusing our interior design efforts is how do we make more engaging, more productive spaces? Um, where most of the attendees, I'm talking about a business event, spend right. most of their time. You know, the eight hours is not, you know, eight hours is, 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 is really achieving, hopefully, the goals and objectives of the event organizer. But how do you really unlock that potential? So that's, that's what we've really focused our interior design effort on, that spatial environment. And I think, you know, when you, the difference to me is that there's decor and there's all the, the glitz and glamour that goes with, like, an event. And what you've done is you've created it based on the fact that there's got to be functionality as mm -hmm. well as a cool look. And that, you know, when everyone was socially distancing and, and you know, and who knows how long that'll last, but I've already seen it's not lasting that long. But when you, you look at some of the things you put on, you can have a very functional yet very aesthetic look, a cool look. And it's much more about the actual um, end result of the attendee, where they feel better about being in an environment that is conducive to, to learning and to growing and that sort of thing. I mean, right. I think that's what sets you apart, even from the organization that you were with before that. Right. So what we do, and we've had the luxury you know, to actually study right now, we're actually studying event spaces and audience and sort of this new consumer behavior. And then, so then how do you apply those learnings, you know, to the business event? It's not just visual. I think our industry is really hung up on the visual. Like I want to walk in and want to see, 
you know, I just want to say red couches because our brand is red or red and blue. Um, but we're trying to take it into, we're kind of space geeks. We kind of take the conversation into a much more around consumer behavior. And as you can imagine with the pandemic, that I think that the, a little bit of this, I think people aren't prepared for this new consumer behavior and how it's going to impact events, uh, live events and space design, because we are all coming off our couch and we're expecting to go into another couch possibly in a general session. Um, you know, like for example, residential, the whole residential look and feel is actually was trending. And a lot of this was trending before the pandemic, but it's really trending now into uh, business events. So, you know, we spend a lot of time um, trying to understand consumer behavior. We also have a team that's really multidisciplined around event strategy, project management, uh, creative. And again, we have a team of professional, commercial, residential, interior designers who know space planning, they know flow, they know circulation, they know, um, they know how to set a room um, in an optimum way based on you know, the constraints that might be in the room. You know, how do you set it around a stage? And, and now what is a stage with a hybrid event? Are there cameras in the room? Are there new tech desks in the room? Um, you know, is the density correct? Um, hopefully we're moving away from the really super high density of the six foot separation. But, you know, I, I don't think it's going to snap back to, you know, what it was before, like two inches apart from each other. So, well, you know, what does that mean? And then from a planner's perspective, how much space do I need? Is, is you know, did I block the right amount of space? These are all the things that the customers are asking for help for. Right. And I think the key to this is that residential feel, uh, lifestyle feel that hotels and convention centers and restaurants and venues have talked about for so many years. It's, it's like you now are saying, okay, let's put our money where our mouth is. You know, being an interior designer is different than just being an event planner. And I think you've taken that and shown how both event planners can use you, the actual venue can use you. Uh, you know, when someone's getting ready to design a new hotel or a new venue, I think it would be really, really cool for you to be involved in, in consulting because too many people build uh, a new type of building or hotel with such a lack of understanding of what the consumer is looking for. And I think that's how you can set that environment, you know, for the energy of the meeting, you know, getting it right. I think one of the things that is so important is that, and you mentioned it before, it's not just like, oh, the president's going to speak. What is the setting and the environment really mean to setting the tone? Talk a little bit about that and how important that is. Well, sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of magic, I think, that happens in any kind of a room, any kind of a setting, whether it's a breakout room, general session, or a, a activation in a lobby. But I, you have to think deeper than, than maybe just what's on the main stage, because, you know, now more than ever, the demand is, you know, this human connection. And how do, we, how do I uh, connect with my friends? So, yes, I want to connect with the main stage. But, you know, quite honestly, now through, you know, the last year, I've seen some great keynotes online in the comfort of my home. Um, you know, is there the audience, you know, the, uh, is there the audience uh, interaction and all that? No. But so I think you have to think about, well, what else can you do in that room? And how do you make that room more productive? It's not just a general session. It could be 
designed in a way so that people have more opportunity to connect with each other. Whether they linger, we, we call it the linger effect. You know, if you design with just rows and rows of theater style seating, you know, I can tell you most of the time, I just want to get the hell out of that room. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. stay. So, I'm, you know, so does that, is that linger effect important for your audience? And do you want to enable that to happen more and more? Like, why are you pushing them out of the room when they're, they want to continue the conversation? Maybe they want to continue the conversation with the keynote speaker in one of the corners of the room. Um, you know, I just think that there's just a lot more questions we have to ask ourselves about how can you make that space more productive? And I think people, and I love that because I honestly, I was in New Orleans uh, just recently. And the thing about it that is amazing is it was like I was at Mardi Gras and it wasn't Mardi Gras. Everything was open. The streets were jammed, French Quarter, Bourbon Street, people just jamming, the live musicians out, you know, just the brass and having fun and people dancing. And I honestly, that, that was, I've been in Texas a lot and they've been open for a while. But that was the kind of awakening moment where I was like, yep, uh-huh, this is pretty much like everyone's over it. If you saw, you know, Phil Mickelson win, you know, for all the ages, you know, he uh, he had to push himself through the crowd, through the, the gallery of people and and to get out to actually get to the 18th hole. And that for us and in, in our industry and in your industry is a huge message. It's a message that. You said human connection, and I want to come back to that for a moment because I know you speak a lot about human connection. I do believe that people like you, people like me, I mean, I'm over the top. I was over at the day COVID started. I was like, you know, this has got to stop like right now. And yeah. I and I had people mad at me. I mean, I had some, you know, I got some pushback and people were like, you know, you can't talk so positively. It's, it's And this was like in May. And when I started trying like, you can't tell me not to be positive. I can do whatever I want. I was pushing the envelope to be out there because I have hotel customers that were open. You know what I mean? They were on, they were, had villas and casitas and there were events and there were small weddings and things taking place. But depending on where you were, especially in this country, there's, there's a lot of people, I think, that lost the plot. They lost their way because they were so like in the negativity. I mean, this was negative for all of us, but there was those of us that chose to start a business like you or those like me that said, I'm getting on a plane. The planes were flying. That's what I said to somebody. I'm sorry. Is it illegal to fly? I mean, they're actually flying. I didn't, you know, fly a private plane for heaven's sakes. And I think that human connection is what the future is going to look like. And I think the difference is it doesn't all have to be standard. It doesn't, and like you said, we've all been hooked up with semi-room layouts. What is it? Classroom, theater, rounds, U-shape, you know, herringbone. Think about all the days back. You know, we had the <laughs> herringbone shape, the hollow square. I mean, what was the purpose behind that? The purpose was we had to set up a meeting to make it fit in a meeting room, not we have to set up a meeting to be productive and have a real good end to the objective. So talk a little bit about human connection and just even on your personal side, because you're having a lot of fun and you're you're personally connecting with so many people in your own side, in your own life. Yeah, no, and I think going to your point, I love it about the, why were we doing these settings, right? And and if you look at it, it's like, it, you know, we we take a human-centered design approach. So that's our, we, we take it from the human first. We build we build from the human out in our in our designs. And that's completely at odds with what, and, and again, we love our hotel partners, don't get me wrong here, but you know, it's about capacity. 
It's how many can I get in this room for, yeah. uh, you know, and you know this more than anyone, um, you know, how do you really optimize the revenue of the hotel by getting as many people in a room as possible? Well, I think we have to challenge ourselves. And again, I don't have the answers, but I know that it's um, somewhere probably in the middle. Um, there's got to be some really serious dialogue, I think, with the industry about what are the settings of the future and what are we really doing in these rooms? So just to take another step back, we believe that this whole meaningful human connection is really the new luxury. We really believe because we, we went a year without it. It's the first time in history it stopped. I think the good news is that senior leadership and the executive teams now are seeing that not having that is, has really set a lot of businesses behind. It's, it's really dried up some sales pipelines, et cetera. So I think what they're seeing is that, wow, you know what, it's really important, but it's also, we think it's gonna be the new luxury, um, however you interpret luxury. So we think that the setting and the environment really has to support the new goals and objectives um, that are gonna have to be put out there. Um, and the only way to do that is you can only express that through the design of the physical space. And I think to your point on that, to me, luxury, luxury would be, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I was a hotelier, so I get it. The more people we have, the more money we can charge, but yet we can have less people charge more money and we can have people in different parts of the venue, the hotel, the convention center. And, you know, think about, think about going to back in our day to a big MPI or an ASAE where there was some big football coach who was the big, you know, keynote speaker. And I'd be so far in the back, I couldn't even see the guy anyway. So you were looking at him from a big screen somewhere in the room, right? That's how every single event went. Well, now, if I was actually in really comfortable surroundings and I was actually watching it from a screen and I paid a little bit less than the ticket person that paid up front, same thing with a concert, right? I've, mm -hmm. I've literally watched concerts and events and, and sporting events from like the no nosebleed section going, I mean, this is like the biggest waste of time. But if I could be in a more, in a cool, like, and I think about like hockey, you know, in a club feel where I'm actually watching it on a huge screen, unless you're in center ice and right down there what's the difference anyway isn't that yeah. right yeah honest yeah. to gosh i think that is the most important thing and you, you can charge more money and there could be tiered prices and i think people have got to get out of you know we got to jam four thousand people same thing with a concert you know it's all because you're still going to have the energy of human connection because you're with maybe 40 people in this club scene watching the, the singer and jamming out and it's like table service and your bottle service. And I'm just picturing it myself, right. And enjoying yeah. it. Cause I, right. And I think that is the new luxury who said right. we all have to be jammed in like that. Well, I think that the other thing is that I don't think we understand that people are going to be coming back to events with a different attitude. I think there's going to be greater, higher, greater expectations. And this is, I think the thing that I'm really trying to a little bit of caution here for event organizers is to is to don't underestimate the new expectations that people are going to have like you're just explaining there uh, there's going to be a greater desire for the connections um there's going to be a new appreciation for physical spaces that, that allows them to do what they want to do and i think there's going to be uh, new hierarchies even and guidelines for attending there could be you know what, you're not sending your whole team next year. We're only going to send two people. 
Um, I think we have to be prepared for that. Um, and I think the ROI now for attending in person, because it is going to be, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to probably to be more expensive um, in the long run. So then how do you really make sure you're getting the ROI out of attending and not just go and, you know, just go and see who you can meet there, you know, Cindy and go, you know, bring back some business cards. Exactly. And then do nothing with them. And then do nothing with them. (laughs) So, you know, just talking a little bit about your energy and your positive outlook and, and keeping the team that you're working with all going, what are some of your kind of secrets to stamina? Because you have, again, you're in it for the long haul. You've done a great job. You've continued to reinvent yourself and, and stay very current. So what are some of your secrets and and how you're continuing to be so forward thinking and have that positive outlook? Um, Well, sure. I mean, I think overall for the industry, it's, I think it's difficult to not stay positive when you see that we literally were coming out of the ashes. Like, how can you not be positive when we've hit bottom? (laughs) Right. So I would say that's number one, just for how I look at, you know, staying positive around the industry. Um, And then I would also just say that our customers actually provide us so much of this momentum. And we're really lucky to have customers. We we tend to attract customers that, that really have this growth mindset that we all have and are also really highly collaborative. So we're solving problems together. And, you know, how exciting is that when we can solve a problem? We may not get it right. We may take chances, but, you know, to be able to at least try and, you know, iterate and see how we can make it better year over year or event after event, um, you know, what what's not to love about that, right? To keep us exactly. going. I would say for, know, me, for, for me personally, <laughs> Um, I used to think it was my coffee addiction, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, actually I've grown to understand that, um, you know, it's about balance and and I love your introduction and I kind of want to pick up on that. It's really understanding, you know, I'm an introvert and I have to really understand what self-care means um, in a much deeper way. um, And how do I maintain that balance so that I can keep that stamina going? If I wasn't able to manage that, I would not have the stamina. Exactly. And, you know, there's an example. You are the introvert and I'm the extrovert. And we have been such good friends for so long, like playing off of each other. Isn't that right? I mean, Mm -hmm. from work, from things we did together in Anaheim to when I saw you in Michigan. I mean, honestly, it's. I bring out in you all that kind of, I think, fun, laughing, Get, just saying it all. And then you, sometimes I remember in Anaheim would help like bring me back down and go, no, wait a minute. Okay. Just yeah. hold on. <laughs> you know, you're like a torpedo here. So I, I think it's so good to be comfortable in your own skin and know who you are. And that's where to me balance does play a big role. I right. want to ask you also, speaking of that, is that there's a lot of people listening to us that aren't in the hospitality or meetings industry and just looking at us as more of a self-help, you know, like personal growth type of podcast. And I talk to so many people that, oh, I'm going to start my own business. Oh, I'm going to do this. And, and I'm all about it because I am so about being an entrepreneur, but I know what it takes. I know the grit you have to have. I know you have to have money. You have to be able to, to survive during, like you said, we're coming out of the ashes. Um, what advice do you have for, you know, business owners? I mean, not necessarily going into being an entrepreneur, but, but actually they own their business like you do, like I do keeping up with all the demands, because right now we came out of the ashes and like, 
overnight, things are getting busy. And so what are some of your uh, tips or, or ideas for business owners on how do you keep the stamina going, keep the energy going, self-care, like you said, and keep their the business viable? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, again, you know, I've been an entrepreneur. My, I look back on I never really would describe myself that I was an entrepreneur because I always worked for somebody else. And I thought, oh, you can only do that if you have your own business. And I think that's a misnomer right there, right? I think um, I just finally got the guts to do it. I think I, you know, I, I should, I, I feel now like a boy, I wish I would have done this years ago. But then I said, well, but I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always approached my job as being an entrepreneur. So I think that there's a lot of characteristics of an entrepreneur that will help people, whether or not you have your own business or not. I just wanted to say that. Um, but I think, I don't know, I think the cool thing about having, being a business owner, though, is actually having the ability to prioritize um, in a more meaningful way and not having to maybe deal with some of the politics that you end up and, you know, time being wasted in bigger companies. So I think it's um, realizing that you actually do have the ability to prioritize um, in, a, in a much more meaningful way. Um, so I would say that. And then the other thing is I've always been a kind of a tech geek, but I think, you know, it's, you just have to leverage the technology tools that are out there. You just have to embrace them. You have to look for the next thing, you know, whether it's clubhouse or, um, you know, Twitter spaces, you just can't shy away from, you know, trying to understand how can these tools help me do my job in a better way. Right. And not be. And I think that's an example where, you know, people like you and I who've been in the business a very long time and working, we're so socially very out there. I mean, on social platforms and saying and showing and doing. And yet I know some millennials that are like, you know, they're like dead men walking sometimes. I'm like, wow, what happened to you? You know what I mean? And I mean, we're out there very creative and clever and I just put stuff out and if people don't like it, oh, that's fine. I mean, but the idea is you, and you said it yourself, if you work for someone and you have that mindset, you're in, they call them entrepreneurs. You're an entrepreneur in a company Mm -hmm. and an entrepreneur is very valuable to a business owner. So, you know, I've, I would say everyone on my team that works for me, they're very entrepreneurial in spirit. They never walk on eggshells. They never, they say, no, Cindy, this is how it is. We got to change this. I, some ideas I like, some I don't, but some that I don't like, they convince me that, you know what, you don't know what you're talking about. So we got to go that way anyway. And that's like their, their ability to, to not deal with politics. I think that's the other thing that you said is mm-hmm. why on earth, earth would we waste one minute of one day after the whole world has come out of this madness to even play some of those games. And yet I can assure you, I'm working with people all the time that are still playing these games. Mm-hmm. So let me also, as we start to wrap up our time together, I, I would love you to share. There's two more things in your free time. What are things that you love doing to keep yourself, you know, that self care and that positive energy and keep that flowing in your personal life? Um, sure. Well, this probably won't be a surprise, but I really, I swing on, on two spectrums. You know, I love the social interaction. I mean, I'd love to go with you to uh, any party. I mean, Cindy, you'd be my <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I <laughs> You could be on my arm anytime, John. <laughs> so there's that. And then, but you know, on the flip side, I really have um, this big love of art and fine art. And whenever I travel, I always, whenever I can, I schedule a visit to a local gallery. Um, 
whether it's, you know, a museum or a private gallery, I just, it's my happy place. And I would say that's maybe something you didn't know about me, but that's, that is probably one of my biggest, I would say, um, off the clock passions. I love that. I'm also just, I'm also just a culture vulture. I mean, I always look for innovation. I always look at how to improve, you know, just you know, how do I do a better personal budget for home expenses to, you know, running a business. I just always, I just get excited when I find some discovery that's going to make, uh, make life better. I, there's so many things you can look at that are negative and, you know, even social media, you know, there's a dark side, um, oh. but you know what, you can look at, you know, there's a dark side to everything. And I just say, you know, um, you can, you, you, it's your choice. You can look at the dark side or you can just look at the positive side of anything. And I look, I choose, as you know, to look at the positive side of yeah. everything. If you come at me too dark, I'm like, well, I got to go to the light. I'll see you later. <laughs> and I love culture vulture. Good. I wrote that down um, because first of all, I love that you love fine art because there's an example where I love to look at art. I don't really get it sometimes. And that's because it's not like I don't have appreciation for it. I just don't get it. And I think when going with friends to galleries like you, there's an example. I would learn so much. And there's where I think one of the reasons you're so good and what you're doing is you take that combination of your kind of appreciation for that finer way of looking at things and, and art and really blending that together, which I think is, is fabulous. I've got some friends, um, you know, the Chihuly Gardens in, uh, in Seattle. I got Oh, my favorite, my favorite. So I, I got to make sure I remember to connect you because those of you that haven't been there or have never gone there, I mean, the, the glass house and having dinner inside and, you know, they've been open now for, I think, since the summertime. So it's just, it's just great. And people like that love art, love that. So the last bit is if there's one person or a piece of advice you were given when you started on your journey, who gave you that advice or what advice did they give you that something that has been your foundation that has kept you going strong and, and living by that to be successful? Oh, wow. That's such a, that's such a hard question. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I go, I, I have, I flashback when I, when I hear that question to my dad, my dad was an educator and, um, and I don't know if this is stems from his, you know, he, he I don't know, some teacher, said, you better, you better have this saying and you better tell it to all your kids. But my dad drilled this saying into um, my head as a kid and it always stuck and it was very simple, but it goes like this, always do your very best and always wear a smile. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Never say I can't and always try your hardest. I love that. That is so great because that, that says it all right there. And you know, and actually since then I discovered, um, since then I discovered a book several years ago called The Four Agreements. It speaks a lot to about always do, about doing your best and what that means. Um, and I read that book. By the way. I, yeah, great book. Do you, do you know the book? Yeah. Yes, great book. Anyway, that just sort of sums up my, um, I would say that really is a guide that I try to live by. It's super hard, um, but um, it's something that stuck with me. And I think that's the biggest, you know, I think the foundation people are given in, in life, and I love what your dad said, and, and I'm a big proponent on that, too, because I grew up with, with parents that instilled so much of that inside me. But it's one thing to have it be a part of your foundation and then forget it or lose it or take the path that's easier. And I think that 
when you actually live to those types of standards, you end up being better for everyone around you, everybody mm -hmm. that works with you, everybody that is your friend, uh, clients, family. And I think, I think that just, I mean, that sums it up, John. That is who you are. And I love that about you. So I so appreciate everybody listening in. Thank you so much. Now, be sure to join me in the next episode because I'm going to personally talk about time management. I'm going to give you tips and advice on how to get organized and live your life to the fullest. I think that many people believe that I must have a boatload of helpers around me to get everything done. I had somebody say recently to me, you know what? I don't know how you must not sleep. I said, no, I sleep a good seven to eight hours every single night. I will tell you right now that the little progress that you make every day adds up to huge, big, successful results. And I hope you've been enjoying my conversation with John. I can't wait to have you listen in to my ideas about how to get it all done. So with that, I thank you, John. I thank you all. And we will see you next time.